This is the Sound the Foghorn Podcast. Cut off by Mata, throws it out front, Dumba scores! Your number one podcast for the Minnesota Wild. Proud to select with the ninth pick in the 2020 draft from the Ottawa 67s of the OHL, Marco Rossi. Covering their prospects, the NHL, AHL, news, notes, and much more. Fiala's in for Minnesota. Fiala cuts to the middle. Wait, scores! Greenway in. Saved by Miska. Rebound. Erickson. They score! Jordan Greenway beats Miska. And one. Poked away Kaprizov. In for a chance to win it. He scores! Kirill the thrill. Now, here are your hosts. Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyak, and Justin Buck. Hello, and welcome in to Sound the Foghorn. Brett Marshall, joined as always by my pals Zeke Boyat and Justin Baki, coming to you on Thursday, another wild off day in between games against the Arizona Coyotes and who I believe is the LA Kings tomorrow night, uh, if I'm not mistaken. But before we get into the wild and lots of other fun stuff today, as always, let's check in on the well-being of my friends. Uh, Justin, we'll go to you first today. How are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing good. I'm uh Starting my long weekend, uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday off, so just kind of kicking it off, talking some hockey. Whoop, whoop, is right. <laughs> I got the kids in bed, and uh, just ready to go here. And Zeke, how about you, man? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing good as well. Uh, you know, it's it's Friday tomorrow, start of the weekend, uh, wild one, four in a row, so uh, not too much to be complaining about right now. And uh, also, as well, I guess another thing is I'll get my uh, second vaccine dose a week from yesterday. So, yeah, no, everything's going pretty good right about now. Awesome. Good to hear. I got to get signed up to go get my vaccine. I think uh, I think I've waited it out long enough to let everyone who mm-hmm. uh, who needs it go now. I think at this point I'm 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 okay to step in. So I'll have to look into doing that next week. Uh, but let's get in uh, to hockey here. We're gonna kind of go back to our normal schedule of events after kind of a a weird doubleheader last week. So uh, Justin, we'll move to you here for a prospect update. Uh, obviously, with college hockey done, we've lost a lot of players, but still some updates to be had. So, good sir, the uh, the floor is yours. All right. Well, really, a lot of seasons are ending or have ended or close to, but uh, I'll kind of start off with the CHL. Uh, Damon Hunt had a two-point week. Um, you know, he's been playing well for uh, Moose Jaw. And like, like you mentioned uh, on the prospects post, he's – Kind of got that area where he keeps scoring goals, kind of the right circle. Uh, it, it just seems to happen quite frequently. Yeah, it's at least um, like four. I think there's a, for sure four of his seven I can recall from that spot. Yeah, I, I'd, it'd be interesting to go back and watch all of them and see how right. many. But, yeah, he certainly has an affinity for that area. <laughs> and then uh, Adam Beckman, no update on him, but he does play tonight and tomorrow night, so – might have an update on him next week. Sweet. Um, there will be no playoffs for the WHL this season, just the 24-game schedule. I don't know if people knew that or not. I think it's been put out there. And then another bit of news that affects Ryan O'Rourke. He will not play an OHL season because the OHL sounds like they're not going to have a season. 
they thought a couple weeks ago that they were gonna, but it just kind of got squashed. So he'll be at least playing in Iowa, which is good, getting minutes there. Yeah, um, I believe uh, Ontario <clears throat> has seen a rather significant uh, COVID spike in the last like two, three mm-hmm. weeks here, if I recall correctly. And, and I, I feel for the players, but also you know, it, it kind of is what it is right now mm-hmm. until we're past this. Yep. Uh, move to the KHL. Uh, the Gager, Gagarin Cup Finals are going on. Andrei Svetlakov, our only prospect over there right now, still going for CSKA. Uh, they're up 2-1 to one in the series, so two more wins, and they'll be back-to-back champs over there. Uh, this year without Kaprizov, which is good for us. <laughs> uh, I don't know if we talked about this last week, but if you haven't seen the uh, – kind of the story that was put out there in German and translated to English about Rossi. It was, it was pretty uh, damning stuff that he went through with this COVID stuff. So, um, you know, it was just, it was kind of crazy reading what he, what he said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the quote about uh, him wanting his dad to sleep by his bed because he feared his heart might stop was certainly got you thinking yeah. a little bit, but um, yeah. it's, it's the the article did go on to say that it it seems and as has been reported he's 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 passed it, um, he's began I believe light workouts again mm-hmm. and it doesn't sound like there are any long term effects um, at least imminent that we know of now so it sounds like he should right. be back and I think Russo talked about this on one of his shows too but just knowing the gym rat and and the hard work that Marco Rossi has I would I would expect him to be you know pretty much back at full athletic strength come time for training camp because he just he puts in work, and as long as he's able to, and, and permitted to work out, I think he'll he'll come in ready to go. Right, yeah, he's definitely a gym rat, uh, and and you know, it, it's good to see first and foremost health coming back. Yep. Uh, but uh, the next uh, little bit of information, just the AHL, not really any news there. Iowa takes on Rockford tomorrow and Saturday, so again, we'll have new an update on them next week, and then with the Swedish Hockey League. Both Simon Johansson and Philip Johansson's seasons are over. Philip Johansson's team got swept in four games. Uh, Simon Johansson's team didn't make the playoffs, and he didn't even finish the team with the big club. So it's looking uh, pretty grim for those guys. Well, is what it is. I think think, uh, Matt Hendricks had some okay things to say about Johansson, they like the way he's progressed and stuff. So yeah. some positives there. But I, I've never really taken Simon Johansson as a legit prospect per se. So that doesn't uh, – no. mm-hmm. he's like a fifth or sixth round pick anyway, I think. So it's not like right. they really swung and missed. I think I could be wrong on that. But um, yeah, it's what it is there, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. So, And that's, uh, that's all I got for prospects this week. All right. We'll stay tuned to see what happens uh, with those WHL guys uh, heading into next week. Um, after I think I went a couple weeks without an analytics segment, um, going to start kind of a new variation of it this week. And I want to shout out, I believe it was a um, friend of the show, Joseph Nowariak, who uh, I hope I said your name right, um, who gave me this suggestion, I think two or three weeks ago, about maybe just highlighting you know some, some areas where Minnesota Wild players really shine um, analytically. And I think um, inspired, I think, uh, Aaron Heckman, um, a friend of the show as well, kind of pointed out that Marcus Foligno has been just a defensive monster. So um, kind of building off um, a, a tweet I saw from him last night. Um, here's Marcus Foligno this year at 5-on-5, five five, um, and this is among all NHL forwards who have played at least 250 minutes. So um, he, in, 
under that allowed has allowed just seven five on five goals against in 28 games played. He's 12th among forwards um, and goals against per 60 minutes played um, at 1.24. Um, Winnipeg's Trevor Lewis leads the NHL at a pretty impressive 0.52. Uh, but to be 12th among that is, is pretty good. And then he moves up to second among NHL forwards. Uh, again, minimum 250 minutes played in expected goals against per 60 at 1.59, uh, behind only uh, Colorado's Pierre-Edouard Belmar, who uh, has a mark of 1.30 expected goals against per 60 minutes played. And then uh, just moving on and, and improving, he is first in the NHL among all forwards at 5-on-5, five five, minimum of 250 minutes played. Um, and high danger chances against per 60 at 4.26. The next closest player is Belmar at 5.46. So 1.2 um, high danger chances per 60 better than any other four in the NHL. Just goes to show, I mean, when when he is on the ice, teams just aren't getting to high danger areas. They're not getting good scoring chances. And frankly, they're not scoring. And I think it, it just goes to show just how valuable he's been to the team. And I think we really saw that, um, you know, come to play when, when he got hurt. The Wilds five on five play really really dropped because they had to scramble mm-hmm. lines. They they lost that shutdown line. You know I think we were pretty tough on that line to start the year, but I think I, I've just kind of come around on it and that it it needs to stay together because you know we we've called the third line, but I think in reality it's it's just a different kind of first line. That's it's a line mm-hmm. they're going to put out there. They're not necessarily going to going to outscore someone's top line, but they are going to you know. They're going to shut down that line and maybe, you know, maybe pop a goal in here and there as, as we saw him do last night um, in, a, in a key situation. But I, it's just, you know, to, to put it, he probably won't get the proper, you know, selfie mm-hmm. recognition um, because he doesn't put up, you know, ridiculous points. But if you were staying true to the criteria of the award, the best defensive forward, Marcus Foligno, in my mind, would have a really, really good case. Um, to be just that he's uh, even he's been even just a hair better than our than our boy Jewel Erickson X. So um, I would argue even uh, Nico Sturm would could be in that conversation mm-hmm. as well. He's actually been really, really good defensively as well, but um, kind of some sh- a sheltered role, which you know makes that a little iffy. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's uh, Marcus Foligno's defensive mastery at uh, five on five. Yeah, he's obviously played well. I mean, obvious statement I'm making, but just you could see how much. We missed him when he was gone. Just when he came back, he when he came back, he was just like a, a not really like a ball in a china shop, but he brought this energy on the ice that uh, that we missed. And uh, you know, it's mm-hmm. good to see him back again. Yeah, you're you're definitely right. Uh, even just uh, you know, aside from what Brett was talking about in the stats and on the score sheet and all that, like Justin said, he's just really valuable to the team on and off. And so. You know, that's all great to see. And before we get into other segments, uh, just to move off that a little bit, I do actually have a history uh, segment for Absolutely. today. Actually, said, and because uh, I was looking earlier, and today is actually the 18 year anniversary of the Andrew Burnett overtime winning goal in game seven against the Colorado Avalanche mm-hmm. in the 2003 playoffs, which, you know, I was like a year and a half old, so I don't really remember. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you guys might remember, you obviously remember that a little bit more, better, and uh, people listen to the show might. So, but yeah, no, that was obviously the, uh, you know, the the one of, if not the probably biggest moment in the history of the team. You know, it was their third year. Uh, it was a great game. They came back and uh, were the heavy underdog and won that series. And uh, you know, obviously as well ended uh, Patrick Waugh's playing career. While you know, eleven years later, you could argue that they ended his uh, head coaching career in the NHL. But uh, no, yeah, no, it was a uh, obviously. Like I said, I haven't heard it much, but I've watched all the replays and uh, just you know, it was a, it's. 
great day in the history of the team, that's for sure, because that's far the best they've ever done. So yeah, that was one of my favorite moments as a fan. I was a I was a junior in high school when that happened, so I, I definitely remember it. That was mm-hmm. that was just so much fun that team that year. I think they came back down from three to one series twice. Yeah. And it was just the most insane playoffs I've witnessed as a, as a Minnesota fan. Yeah, I think I was. I would have just turned seven um, mm. years old. So, and for me, that's like when I think back, like what I remember about the Wild. That's like one of the first like core Minnesota Wild memories. I can like just remember mm. the call. Look, he scores! He scores! Mm-hmm. Andrew Burnett scores! <laughs> like that just like plays yeah. and repeat in my head. And then, like of course, like you said, uh, you know, eleven years later, Nito Niederreiter goes bar down and does it again. Mm-hmm. So. Hopefully we have that. Uh, maybe we can have that again this playoff too. Yeah, yeah. we'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll we'll see. Um, so yeah, there's uh your opening segments. Um, conveniently, Michael Russo, our friend, decided to uh, break some news today, right in time for the podcast. <laughs> um, that Ryan Hartman has reached uh, an agreement on an extension with the Minnesota Wild, three years, five point one million dollars, uh, which breaks down to a one point seven million dollar average annual value. Uh, let's just get your early thoughts here on uh, the Ryan Hartman extension. Uh, Zeke, we'll go to you first. Yeah, no, I mean, I think, uh, you know, I, I like it. I'm in support of it. And I know some people were a little skeptical because they think, you know, why are you signing kind of bottom six players who are, you know, I mean, Hartman's not old. He's like 26, 27. So, but, you know, there's some people who had kind of that viewpoint. But I always thought that, you know, especially before we knew the price, it was like, okay, well, if it, if it's if the price is good and it ended up being – I think actually a two hundred thousand dollar pay cut on his contract right now, so uh, you know that that was good. And I think you know, and he's a good player. He's nothing spectacular, but he's he's versatile. Plays anywhere you need him to. So yeah, no, I'm I'm in support of it. And like we said in our group chat earlier, I just think it's a, you know, the fact that he signed for less to stay here is just a sign that uh, Bill Guerin just has a way. He just he's getting these guys, the coaches, the players, and all that to just buy into what they're they're trying to build here. So yeah, no, I, I like it for sure. Justin, anything to add? No, I mean, I think it, it was uh, Zeke already touched on, but it speaks volumes about the culture that Garen's bringing here and the, mm-hmm. the job that, he, that he's doing and kind of the, what he wants to build now and into the future. And to have a player take a, I think, I think I remember seeing Evolving Hockey had him like a million dollars more the, a year. Two point seven, I think. I think they had yeah. it. I think it was a two. No, it was three years. Two seven, I think. Yeah. was what their projection was and they're usually pretty spot on with those so but to get him you know take a kind of a home team discount and and uh he gets a little bit of stability with the three years so you know I, i'm all for it i like his gritty style of play and he can kind of play up and down the lineup in different positions so you know i i'm all for it yeah i i like it a lot i he, he was a guy that i honestly didn't think they they were going to resign and not because mm-hmm. I I don't like the player but because I thought he was a guy that was going to come in file for arbitration and he was going to cost the wild north at two and a half million which to me given you know the the players they have in Iowa the, the depth they have I didn't think and the players they have to resign uh, I was like nah I'm out that's that's too much but mm-hmm. when I saw today that hey they got him at 1.7 I was like sweet I mean that's a really good deal for a guy that you know He's been okay at center. I don't. I wouldn't say he's been good at center. He's been okay at center. I think he. I think he's best suited as a fourth line right wing personally, 
Um, but he does give you that versatility at the center of the wing. You know, he can play up and down the lineup. Mm-hmm. He does have good speed. He does have good energy. Uh, and then on top of that, he he's a he's a good penalty killer. We've seen him. I swear, I swear, I feel like I've seen him have more scoring chances shorthanded than he yep. does at even strength, which is which is funny. Um, I think he might even have a shorty this year, um, if I recall correctly, earlier in the season. Pretty fair, yes. Um, so it just just a guy that you know to get a guy like that, you know, locked in for three years at a at a pretty team friendly deal, um, as you guys alluded to, just really shows that yeah, I think there's some players buying into the culture mm-hmm. here and. And, and to the vision that Bill Guerin has. And I would imagine um, the, the conversation with the agent, uh, Bill Guerin looked at Hartman's agent and said, hey, here's the thing. If we can take Hartman to take a $1 million discount, that's just another million dollars we could give uh, to Kevin Fiala and Kirill Kaprizov. So just sign mm-hmm. on the dotted line. Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> I think that's for sure. And, uh, you know, I think just the key thing, like you said, is, you know, some people – were kind of like you, Brett, in the way that they thought, you know, he's just been okay at times this year. And I, like we just said, that's, like you said, that's a case of him, you know, maybe being played in a role that's maybe too high for him at this point. But like, like we said, he's just versatile in that way. And, uh, and like we all said, he fits like the kind of character type of player in person that they want in the room. So that's good from that standpoint, obviously. And I just think, uh, you know, this is just going to be kind of interesting to see how this goes for uh, other players on the team. Obviously, like Brett mentioned, they have, Prisov and Fiala and Eriksenak who will get big money so that's that's not really a question but I think this will be interesting to see how they go with because we've heard that you know Garen would consider some of the UFAs they have expiring this year bring some of them back specifically uh you know Ian Cole who's been great in the third pair and also Nick Benino who has been really good lately and who Garen really likes so it'll be interesting to see if uh you know if he can uh use like the kind of same, I guess, negotiation tactic in a way, or just have the same, you know, buy-in from these other players too. And, you know, see if any of those guys will be back and if, you know, how that'll go out. So. Yeah. I think the other interesting wrinkle for me in the whole scenario is I know we touched a little bit on expansion last week and that I, you know, that I, that I, Mm -hmm. my gut said, they'll find a way to go seven, three and one. I think again, this is just another step and just confirming that belief for me. Um, because now if you go seven, three, one, and, and I, I really do think there's a good chance that they're going to get Ryan Suter to wave. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would leave them of course, with the obvious three protected and Spurgeon, Dumba, Brodeen. And then you have, um, on the forward side, you have, obviously you have Jewel Erickson, um, Matt Zuccarello, Kevin Fiala, and then it's kind of, you know, a little gray area, but I think they probably go Felino, Greenway. Um, and then you have to decide between either Hartman or Nico Sturm, or mm. unless you can get Zach Parisi to wave, then you could protect both Hartman and Sturm, mm-hmm. um, which would leave your exposure list as Parisi, who's not going to get taken. Um, UFA's Johansson, Benino, you have Victor Rask, Eugstead, yeah. and then Will Bitten, Mason Shaw, Dmitry Sokolov, Gabriel Dumont, Luke Johnson, Kyle Rao, Joseph Cramorosa. Um <laughs> Which mm. pretty much leaves you at yep, you're gonna lose Carson Susie mm-hmm. or you're gonna lose whoever you one of your goaltenders, but um we'll talk about this closer to the to, to expansion. We'll have a show on this, but I just yeah. think there's gonna be so many goalies to choose from. Um mm-hmm. I'd i am not sure that Seattle's gonna be interested in a goalie that's gonna be turning thirty four next year. Um I think they'll elect to go maybe a little bit younger. But mm-hmm. that's my personal opinion. But yeah. um the ideal scenario for me is they're able to get Parisi Suter to wave. They make that public. They look like great teammates, and they can pretty much protect the core of the mm-hmm. players. And at worst, they lose a you know, at worst they lose Carson Susie with you know 
if you re-sign Ian Cole, and then you have you know the likes of potentially Brendan Manel, Callan Addison, even if a, a Dakota Mermis, someone else in free agency, and your your third pair short up just fine. So. Yeah. Another thing I, I thought of with the Hartman contract while we're sitting here talking about it, um, I know he's trying to build the culture up and such, but if some for some reason there's a player that he wants or maybe a pros you know wants to make room for prospects that's a very tradable contract for sure yeah and yeah that's i agree with that too and just quickly just kind of on the expansion thing not to go back there i think uh you know i think like brett said that it seems like there's a decent chance that Suter would consider waving but i don't know if uh, zach parisi was is really going to be uh i mean i guess if it'll if there's other rings but i don't know if he's considering that, you know, he's obviously not happy now uh, with being in the lineup. For, you know, he's working hard and is not complaining, but I, I just don't know if he's going to be in the mood to do them too many favors. And I guess just my last thing on that is, that, you know, I guess, yeah, it's, you know, it, it would help the team. But I also think, uh, you know, I'm just a little bit afraid of the what happens if one or both of them say they don't want to do that. Then it's going to be the shitstorm coming their way of their bad teammates. They only care about themselves. They don't want to win, like. Like, it's in their contract. Like, you know, I, I see it, but I just think that if it's in the player's contract, that I, I'm not going to sit here and, and, you know, get overly frustrated with the player. Although, you know, like you said, if Suter can waive that, even if it's just one guy, I think, uh, as you said, that would help out even if Parisi didn't want to. So, yeah, no, I, that's just kind of my quick thought on that. Counterpoint to your Parisi thing, maybe the idea of going, you know, if there is the slim chance that Seattle for some God unknown reason elected yeah. to take Parisi. I don't think maybe. he'd be opposed to that new start. Maybe. I, hmm. I mean, that's a good point. Uh, you know, like you said, it's it's probably incredibly unlikely. Obviously, they take him, but yeah, no, you, you might be right. Uh, you know, who knows how good Seattle's going to be? But like you said, uh, a fresh start in a place where you may get a chance to play more. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I guess I don't doubt that he wouldn't at least be you know interested in that. So it's a good point. And I think we'll kind of do a mock expansion draft um, closer to when that happens. We may be able to look mm-hmm. at you know what who, who's available because on I, like the only I don't know you know what's going to be available off the top of my head, so I don't even want to try to speculate. But mm-hmm. um, we'll get there. But uh, yeah, I just thought that was for me. It was just another just kind of confirmation that Garen has a plan, whether it's mm-hmm. leaving Dumba exposed or getting considered to wave that he'll find a way to go seven three and one. So. Mm-hmm. All right, and Bill Guerin, we trust. Exactly, he uh, <laughs> he continues to impress us. All right. Well, speaking of depth, um, then our next topic today, uh, we gave you know specifically a little love, I think, to Nico Sturm last week and to uh, Zach Parisi. But um, so now, some time to to pump the tires of Nick Bonino, as well as just the entire play of the Minnesota Wild fourth line of uh, Nick Bonino, Zach Parisi, and Nico Sturm. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'm assuming one of you guys do. But they have been. I do. Just awesome in this last week, week and a half, two weeks here. So, Justin, we'll go to you first since uh, this is something you really wanted to talk about today. Yeah, I just think, you know, the last four games this past week, they've been maybe our best line. Like, when they're out there, it seems like even in the games, like the last game, we ended up winning. But in the first period, they they were the only line that kind of got any sort of offensive zone time. I mean – the Coyotes were all over us and just they seemed to be one of the only lines that could do anything. But, uh, you know, like you said, the numbers, uh, Benino in the last four games has five points, one and four. Uh, Parisi has two points, two goals. Both have, both of his goals were game-winning goals, by the way. And then uh, Sturm has uh, the three points, the two and one. So 
10 points from your quote unquote fourth line in the last four games is pretty good. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, it was kind of, I, I can't remember the, what Benino and Sturm's ice time were off the bat, but I know that, uh, Zach Prezi only played on just about nine minutes or whatever. And I don't think Benito played a lot. So that was interesting that they didn't play a ton considering how much they had in the previous games. But, uh, but yeah, no, uh, Justin's right. They've been, uh, been uh, really good and uh you know like like evison will say in the press conferences with the media that you know you guys always say they're the fourth line and they're not it's like well you know that may be true because that they're not because they do you know usually play uh for equal amount that uh, they're they're the fourth line but i think that's what uh, makes them gives the wild advantage of other teams is that they actually have you know uh, guys who can skate and who have you know skill who can do anything aside from just you know throw punches and hit down on that fourth line which they've done yeah, and then to to build off your point, uh, Nico Sturm played just under thirteen minutes last oh, night. Okay. Um, Nick Bonino played uh, thirteen and a half. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's you know three, four more minutes in Prezi. I know both Bonino plays both penalty kill, power play, Sturm penalty kill. But uh, yeah, I think uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with uh, Zach Parisi here. Um, and that yeah. kind of brings us into kind of our, our next topic here is. Uh, Nick Bugstead, um, his return to the lineup appears imminent. It could be tomorrow. It could be Saturday. Um, but it seems like the Wild want to get him back into the lineup. Um, I don't. Otherwise, they probably wouldn't have bought him, brought him on the trip. Um, so there's been a lot of speculation about uh, who, who should come out of the lineup for Bugstead to go in. There's a very obvious choice among the fans about who that should be. Um, a uh, certain second-line center who wears the number 49, um, turns the puck over, and who has 15 shots on goal in his last 19 games, um, as well as one assist if you take away his uh, three power play assist game um, when they routed the avalanche. Oh, that's Victor Rask. Yeah. Um, the parachute to the speedboat. Exactly. <laughs> you, uh, saw that pick on the Kaprizov C Twitter account. <laughs> so, I yeah. think that's the really obvious um, mm-hmm. guy to take out. But um, if you listen to Russo today, he thought you know the that you know Zach Parisi playing nine minutes the other night could have been a potential precursor to paving the way to take him out of the lineup. Um, obviously, Nico Sturm's been healthy scratched recently, so he is a potential option there as well. Um, I thought. Ryan Hartman hadn't been playing the greatest lately, but um, I would assume if you're just given a three-year extension um, that you're not going to be uh, riding the pine <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, for, a, for a pending UFA. Um, so we can probably cross him off the list. Um, and then the rest of your lineup has been playing you know, pretty well. So uh, of those three guys, um, just kind of – I mean, obviously we all know Rass, but do you guys <laughs> – would you guys even consider uh, Prezier Sturm? Uh, honestly, no. I feel like that fourth line is playing really well, and you know, keep. I mean, nine minutes isn't a lot, and and you know, Parisi hasn't been the same. But I mean, he's been pretty good recently. But overall, this year he hasn't been the same. But I, I just, I don't know how you can break that lineup right now when they're playing so well the past week. I, I think it has mm-hmm. to be Rask. Yeah, I mean, you you saw Parisi already get scratched earlier in the year, and you saw, you know, Fiala get benched and Sturm kind of be up in the press box so if those guys can get it i think it's rask's turn yeah i agree i i mean i know what they probably will say that you know oh, he's a center and he can win face-offs it's like well one he's 45 percent or something this year so it's not like he's great at that and as you guys said he he's just you know the the puck just 
dies on his stick whenever he gets it. He holds onto it too long. He misses passes. He loses it. He falls down literally just randomly at all times whenever. Uh, and like Brett said, he never shoots. So obviously, he like you guys said, he's going to come out. But I just don't really understand where the logic would be in the scratching Preezy, especially since he's been playing well recently. Mm-hmm. Like if he hadn't if he hadn't been playing all that great like the last five six games or had a, even a bad couple games, like I would say, okay, I get it. But I just from the just helping the team standpoint, and also that if you scratch Zach right now, like you know, don't you think that that could piss him off? Like that he's feeling good and, and playing better and having consistent line mates. Like, don't you think that that could potentially have a negative impact? You know, right or wrongly from him that saying, "Oh, I was playing good and they still took me out of the lineup," and then he sees Victor Ask out there who's fumbling pucks and falling all over the place. Like, I just I don't see how that makes much sense from. Not to mention you have the fact that, you know, I think his teammates still think very highly of him. He wears the A on his jersey. What does Mm -hmm. it say about scratching your assistant captain to keep Victor Rask in the lineup? Yeah, well. Especially as of late, because what has Victor Rask done to stay in the lineup over Parisi? Nothing. Yeah, nothing. He's a passenger on the line with Kaprizov and Zuccarello. He's a passenger on the power play. I mean, yeah, he had a three assist game, but the Wild kicked the shit. Everyone played well that game. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's. I don't I mean, know. You can just see, you know, you know, we've already said he fumbles pucks, but just Kaprizov will set him up, or Zuccarello set him up with a nice pass, and he'll have like a shooting opportunity, and the puck will just jump off a stick or he'll trip over the blue line. It's just, yeah, I don't know. It's frustrating seeing. Um, Kaprizov continually have Rask as a center. I mean, mm-hmm. you don't want to break up that fourth line, but we've talked about it before. I think all three of us put Sturm with him and, and see what can yeah. happen. I don't know. Yeah, I, I totally agree because it's, I mean, you know, yeah, they, I know they probably were kind of moving along slowly like they're developing him, but, I mean, we saw last night, you know, he made, you know, Fiala had the nice finish, but he made the good play to rush up the ice, use his speed, and make the nice pass across, not two-on-one for a goal. Like, he doesn't have, like, no skill at all. Like, that's not his forte or whatever, obviously, but uh, like Justin said, he, he's been really good, and, uh, you know, he nobody, none of the other centers on the, on the Wilds roster really are. There's just nobody, I don't think, that's really worse than Victor Rask, who... You know, even worse, still has another year left on his contract. But yeah, no, it's, it's. I just would like to see anybody. I mean, like as Brett has pointed out, even Bukestad would be an improvement because he's at least, you know, shown the ability. To, I mean, he's not very fast. He's not great, but you know, he at least has been able to finish on some chances and, and is not like you know a liability on the ice. So even he would be better. Yeah. So that, yeah, that that kind of brings me into the next point. So I think, uh, and we'll talk. We'll talk next about you know. Let's assume that Victor Rask comes out um, because that's mm-hmm. what needs to happen. That's what should happen. That's probably what will happen um, and what that could mean for the line. So I think the really obvious thing is because Dean Evison is boring and hates fun, would just plug in Bukestad <laughs> where Rask was, right? And you keep yep. everything else the same. I think that's probably the most likely because um, Dean Evison doesn't care about advanced analytics and stuff and has no mm-hmm. care in the world. The Wild have been getting caved in at five on five for the last month. Um, if they're winning, he's gonna he's not gonna change things. So I think that's the obvious one. Uh, I I have mm-hmm. two alternate scenarios here. My first one I, is kind of what I I would call maybe a, a likely uh, scenario. Something that if if he did want to shake things up just a little bit, uh, what could happen? Um, I still have the grief squad together, so that's Greenway, Eric Sinek, Foligno. 
Um, second line, we do uh, Zeke and Justin, what you guys just talked about, elevating Nico Sturm to that second line um, with uh, Kaprizov and Zuccarello, just a guy that plays north-south, good speed. You know, he's got a scoring touch. I think he could work there just fine. Can't be worse than mm-hmm. Rask, right? Yeah. Um, you keep the third line the same. Um, so, you know, you have Johansson, Hartman, and Fiala. Um, and then your fourth line is Parisi. And then you have uh, Bukestad and Bonino. And who plays center, who plays wing is kind of relevant there. You can flip them however you need. It's, you know, kind of the same thing as, as what they've been doing with Rask and Bonino on the power play. You know, whoever. Mm-hmm. And then I have my spicy lines. Um, if you want to just spice things up and give the fans what they want. Um, and that is, you know, keeping the grief squad together. And then we put together my uh, ultimate dream line of uh, Kaprizov, Sturm, and Fiala because just, just, just do it. It's spicy. It's fun. Do mm-hmm. it. Um, and then a third line of Zach Parisi, Nick Bugstead, and Matt Zuccarello. And then a 3B line of Johansson, Hartman, and Benino. So those are my – I really like the spicy lines. They'll, ne- they'll absolutely never happen. Um, cause Dean Evison hates fun. Um, but I just wanted to bring up my spicy lines because if I was the coach, that's what I would do for a game. I think it could be yeah. fun. And I mean, yeah. like we know, like, like you said, obviously, uh, you know, the, that third line with Felino Erickson at Greenway, it's never going to get broken up. Like that's his, nope. Dean favorite toy. That's, he just, you know, obviously loves it. And I mean, like Brett said earlier, it's not like they're bad, but, uh, yeah, no, I think, uh, Anything would be an improvement over Victor Ask on the line with Kaprizov and Zuccarello because while you know Zuccarello has you know has been had some bad games like he's still he's still been a good player this year he still points wise at twenty eight and thirty two so I just think my overall thought is yeah, I agree with Brett I, I like those lines he came up with it would be great if they would you know maybe it's like you said it's never gonna happen but when they clinch a playoff spot or something like that you know try some things out but uh, yeah I just think I think anyone would be my main thing about lines is anyone would be an improvement over Rask. Like almost anyone would be. So that's just my main takeaway. Give us what we want, Dean. Kaprizov, Sturm, Fiala. Do it! Yes. Come on, man. Try it. Right there. Try it. One game. One game. One shift. Yeah, Yeah, even shift. Make me euphoric for just 45 (laughs) seconds. Make my dream come true. I think Brett would pass out. I probably would. I, would the shift. I wouldn't even see the shift. I would just faint. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll. See. I did rehear from Russo that uh, what, what, in his podcast he said, what was he talking about? Uh, that uh, the shit. Uh, no, it, it never. It was different. But he said he doesn't know if. Uh, I mean, like you said, it might. Be, you know, actually, you know what? Never mind what I was going to say. That makes no sense. <laughs> <Okay>. So sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm halfway through his pot, so I haven't quite finished it yet. But oh, okay. he did float the idea of elevating Nico Sturm to that second line to ease Bukestad back in. So it could happen. Mm, Do it. and Sturm together. It could work. Hopefully. Please. Or maybe you stick him with Fiala potentially. You move Hartman up. I mean, I wouldn't love that. But, again, anything's better than Victor Rask. So. Mm-hmm. Very much. All right. Uh, any other wild topics uh, you guys specifically want to hit on here before we uh, get into kind of the, the tail end of the show here? No, I just think uh, there's one thing I want to just bring up. We don't really have to talk about it, but I didn't realize how, you know, I feel like he's kind of quietly done it. Fiala has 15, point, 15 points in the last 13 games. I didn't realize that till kind of the telecast last night. And yeah, it's because all they talk about really, is turnovers. Really starting yeah. to heat up at the right time mm-hmm. you know we need them for the playoffs to do this yeah 
And I mean, he's on, I think, uh, on a 32 goal pace over 82 games. So, like, despite all the struggles and all that, like, yeah. if you got a guy who's, and I mean, like we just said, the centers, if, you know, even next year he's put with a, a decent center, like, that's the guy who can, you know, is at least 30 goal scorer. And I think, you know, could potentially score a 35 40 for you if he's, you know, just consistent. So, yeah, no, he's another guy that this year I've just, like Justin, you guys said, I don't, you know, I mean, there's been some criticisms, but I just think people have, uh, People seem a lot of people seem very down on him for some reason, which is weird. But it's like this. It was like the same thing with Matt Dumbo like two, three years ago. It's like we're just gonna mm-hmm. ignore the just ridiculous offensive output and continually making plays because oops, yeah. he had one bad turnover. Like yeah, did you watch the rest of the team? Did you not see Suter put a puck right on a guy's tape the other night? Did you not see Rass dump pucks to off to the middle to nobody for you know forty <laughs> games this year? Like he's not the only one. He's mm-hmm. an offensive-minded forward. He's going to turn pucks over. Um, I believe uh, Tony Abbott and Joe Bully went through, um, like, all the players in the league who have, like, more turnovers than Fiala. Mm-hmm. And it was, like, all players that are, like, it was, like, Leon Dreisaitl, Mitch Marner, like, these guys that are, like, bonafide top-line guys. Like, it's what offensive players do. They turn the puck over because they take chances. It happens. Yep. And obviously, you can be more responsible. I get it, but... Like it's blown way out of proportion in this state, and I hate it. It is lay off yeah. people. It's it's gonna happen. Oh yeah. If we called it out for everyone else, like we did for Fiala, that's all we would see. So yeah, that's for sure. All right. Well, let's now move into our players of the week. Uh, e- either of you guys can start. Well, uh, let's switch it up and, and get creative this week. Let's uh, start with our pros of the week this week. All right, you can go ahead first, Zeke, if you want. Okay, well, I mean, you know, like we everyone knows, uh, my pro of the week is going to be uh, the Wild goalie Cam Talbot, who, like like I said, everyone knows he's been great this season. You know, I think especially this is like the his fourth or fifth time winning this yeah. award. Yeah, <laughs> so, I mean, it's kind of getting so deserved. Uh, they're so <laughs> they're starting to like you said they're starting to go around uh, through the entire team on the Wild pretty much this year. But I mean, he was four zero and zero again this week. Uh, had a 934 save percentage and a 1.75 goals against uh, in those four games against the uh, the the Sharks and the Coyotes, uh, and he's just been great. And obviously, you know, like we talked about uh, early in the show, he and like everyone saw last night, he, last night with 39 saves on 40 shots was his best game, and uh, I believe also 30 of those uh, thir- 39 saves came within the first two periods. So. He's just been great and, uh, you know, probably their MVP over the last, you know, especially you'd say month since they won those two games in Vegas. Yeah. So that's uh, just good to, you know, overall, it's probably just a good sign for the Wild that he's heating up at the kind of right at the end of the season into the playoffs when they'll need him. And I think that's he's the main reason why a lot of people, including me, are a little more confident in their ability to win a series in the playoffs this year is that, you know, you got a goalie back there who has shown the ability to, you know, get you through games and steal games for you, even when you're not playing at your best. So, yeah, no, like like we said, like a broken record, but uh, he's been fantastic. Yeah, he was a 10 out of 10 on high danger shots yesterday as well. Um, and that's something like Good. beginning of the year, it was a pretty, he was kind of like average in that. And the last mm-hmm. month, that stat has just continued to climb mm-hmm. um, along with his goal save above expected. I think he's top 10. And after last night, he may be encroaching on, you know, top eight, top five range, so, oh, yeah. which to me is the best way we can evaluate goalies. So, um, yeah, he's he's been awesome. And, you know, if he keeps this up, he's a guy that might warn a little bit of Vesna consideration. He probably won't win it because I think that's, you know, oh, Andre yeah. Vasilevsky's tro- trophy to lose at mm-hmm. this point. But, you know, um, his, his, I could see him maybe getting, you know, kind of in that 
what, third, fourth, fifth place, mm-hmm. fifth place vote kind of range because it's been he, he's I been mean, that good. Um, yeah. And one more nugget I want to bring up uh, about the wild goaltending. Uh, uh, I almost said FSN. Bally Sports uh, <laughs> flashed this up last night during the broadcast. The Minnesota Wild are the only team in the NHL that have two goalies with 13 or more wins. <laughs> and I thought that was pretty freaking impressive. It is. That, that, I, that's very good. That's impressive for how worried we were about how the goal, goaltending situation would be before the season started, before free agency started. This is amazing. Mm-hmm. Like He's done everything. He's supposed to and more uh you know he was just mm-hmm. be average and he would he would have been good and he's done more than that and yeah I, i'd have to say that was the best goalie free agent signing of that off season. oh yeah like i think uh you know just quickly russo was saying in his podcast earlier today too that you know uh out of all the guys at free agency it was the markstroms the, the Leonards, who you know are, are decent goaltenders but those were the guys that you know were the thought of the big gets but, you know, they're also the ones who got the big contracts and haven't been, you know, as great this year. And I think that was just a, a great find. You know, he was talking about how, you know, they went in with the analytics like they did with Devin Dubnik that, you know, if he plays on this team behind our defense and it's just average, like Justin said, he'll be great. So, you know, you know, it, it's been great. And, I mean, hey, we uh, predicted on this show earlier in the year that he was going to finish top seven in Vezina voting. So hopefully that comes true because if it does, uh, we'll be sitting in a good spot. So. Yep. Um. And then the other thing that I just wanted to bring up just regarding Cam Talbot and his playing style is just like, and maybe it's because I, I, you know, spent the whole season watching Alex Stalock flop around like a fish <laughs> and Devin Dubnik stare at the ref and complain after every goal went in. But it, it just <laughs> seems like Cam Talbot's like mentally cannot be like rattled. He always yeah. just looks so poised, so controlled. He gives up a goal and just like, he's like, all right, whatever. I'll stop the next one. Like he always just seems laser focused He's really calm in net. He doesn't flop around. He doesn't, you know, really give up egregious rebounds. Like, he just seems very fundamentally sound. Like, he's always just mentally there and just like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to do anything crazy. I'm just going to sit in here. I'm going to do my job and let the team do it in front of me. And I'm going to make big saves when I have to. And I think that, I think you can see that just the team, you know, has confidence in him too. And I think we're seeing, you know, we've, we've seen him take more chances offensively. And it's been rewarded with this team just piling up goals too. And I think that, that helps because – you know, unlike last year, they're not afraid to take chances because they think, hey, you know, if I do fuck up here, I've got a goalie that I trust is going to stop a puck. Yeah. And with, with Dumnik and Stalock, last year I'm not sure that was the case. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if that's been the case for a couple of years. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For sure. All right, so moving on, uh, Justin, you know, your pro of the week. Uh, my pro of the week is Nick Bonino, 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 Bonino. <laughs> <laughs> Well uh, five points this week uh, in the four games played, like we mentioned, one goal, four assists. Uh, he's just you know playing playing really well with uh, Preci and Sturm. Mm-hmm. You know, on the season he has seventeen points in forty four games, but the past week has been uh, his most impressive week. Yeah, and I know we were you know for a while, myself included, were a little critical of him being on the power play, but as of late, he's been a really good piece uh, to mm-hmm. that power play success. Mm-hmm. He's kind of been in that bumper spot, but we've you know. We saw him, you know, bang home a Kaprizov rebound last week. He made a nice little one-touch pass to Kaprizov. Um, I think would have been the first game. Mon- yeah, Monday night. Um, mm-hmm. And he's been good there. He's obviously he's he's winning draws and stuff too, which has been huge to that power play. And yeah, I think this is I think more of the Nick Benino we thought we were getting um, when we traded for him. This is who the Nick Benino was in the mm-hmm. past. And um, as always, what I like to see is you know even when 
the offense improves, it, it hasn't really been at the at the expense of of lap lapsing defensively. He's still been great there, and as we've touched on before, still one of the team's best penalty killers as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. All right, and my player of the week um, probably could win it every week. Um, <laughs> pro of the week uh, is Kirill Kaprizov, um, who has goals in three straight games, but more importantly, um, on Monday night he broke Marion Gabrick's rookie. Uh, points record, uh, tallying a power play goal to, for his 39th point of the season. Or was his 38th? Was it 37? So Gabrick's record was 37, I believe, right? Yeah. Yep. So Caprizov's goal was 38. Yep, I had that right. Okay. And then uh, his goal last night um, broke Marion Gabrick's goal record of 18, um, getting his 19th. So uh, a p- pretty wow. monumental week for Kirill Kaprizov. <laughs> also doing this, and I believe it's the Wild now played 48. Five games. 45 games. So mm-hmm. um, Gabbert did it in, I believe, 71. Obviously, there's some age difference there, but um, just to see the way that he's come into the league, um, again, just a friendly reminder to uh, Hoppy and Isha, he has 39 points. Um, 38. 38 points. <laughs> no, he's 39 now. He no, the, the rookie record for points was 36. He broke it at 37. The goal last night okay, was so 38. 38. Either way, yeah. Isha and Hoppy, he has 38 points now. Two more points, mm. we'll be right. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, have to just rub that one in us a little bit every time. So, oh yeah, uh, those are our mm-hmm. players of the week, all wild players this week, pros of the week. Uh, Nick Bonino, Cam Talbot, and uh, Kirill Kaprizov, who have all been very key pieces in the Wild's recent stretch of wins. Now let's go to the amateur side, and Zeke will go uh, back to you for yours. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, uh, Justin touched on this guy a little bit in the prospect update, but I'm going to go with uh, Ryan O'Rourke, who was the defenseman they picked uh, in the second round, I believe, 39th overall around there last season. And, uh, you know, like like Justin said, with the OHL uh, not going to play this year, he's going to stay in Iowa for the last, I believe they have like nine or ten games left in their season starting tomorrow night. So, but so yeah, he'll be there for the rest of the year, but he's had a good start to his, you know, AHL career from everything that I've told. And the 24 games played he has, he has a goal and five points, uh, a goal and five assists for six points. So this is a little more of a, you know, a whole season recognition rather than this week. But uh, I feel that for a guy who, you know, would normally have been expected to be in the in the OHL, who's 18 or 19 years old, to come into the AHL uh, and, and seemingly play fairly steady hockey, I think is uh, is pretty impressive. And so, yeah, no, it's just a, just cool to see that uh, he just can step in right there and is uh, just earning those minutes on that team down there. Yeah, it's really nice to see just a, a younger defenseman, you know, doing well in Iowa, not named Callan Addison, because we just yeah, it's the Wild's blue line's been good, but as you know, you look beyond what they have now, it's it's been kind of a, a, a grim okay. a grim outlook. But we you know we're starting to see you know uh, Hunt and O'Rourke and Addison. It seems like there there's some players that should be NHL players, um, and it's seemingly sooner rather than later too, which is mm-hmm. which is encouraging. So Justin, yeah. we'll go to you next. Ah, uh, my. My uh, amateur of the week, he's kind of had a tough season in Iowa. He was our 2016 fourth-round pick, Brandon Duheim. Um, he has he had no points this season and this past weekend. He had two goals. Um, he had one on uh, one goal each night he played. Game-winning goal on Saturday, first two points of the season. So I had to give him a shout-out because he scored, uh, scored his first two goals this season and one of them being a game-winner. So hopefully this... this bumps this season you know hopefully he does better from here on out 
Yeah, and I, uh, you know, I think on do I'm just a quick note as I believe that Russo said and uh, other people around the Wild have said that he's the guy that they've liked for like a couple of years now, and C is you know a guy who can probably play on their fourth line. So yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, it's like you said, it's just it's good to see him uh, hopefully pick it up here because he could be another guy you think who has potential to at least play some games in the NHL. So right, and uh, sticking with the Iowa Wild again here, I'm going to go with uh, Connor Duar and uh, very similar to uh, Zeke's pick of, of Ryan O'Rourke. It's not necessarily a recency thing, but it's the whole year. He's a heart and soul guy, just, you know, a guy that just has a motor that never stops going. Um, he was a captain his last year in Everett, just a good a good leader. And on top of that, it does have a goal and assist in his last three games. I think he's kind of been an all-situations guy down in Iowa playing. You know, I think he's top line. I think he's power play, wherever else. Um, is he on a line with Boldy right now, maybe? I think, I think that was uh, Baldy was with Mayhew and Dumont, if I remember yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think. And then he I might think, be with Drew, maybe? Yeah, I, it's, I think it might be Drew that's and Duheim, potentially. Um, but yeah, so uh, Connor Duar is always a guy I've probably just been higher on than most. I just, mm-hmm. I think just the work ethic that he brings is just a kind of work ethic that, you know, you may not be a star of the NHL, but I think it's a kind of work ethic that can at least get you as a tweener and a guy that, that, that can get a look, and I just like that a lot about him, and I'm just glad to see him playing well in Iowa because he's a guy I've been excited for. So, Yeah, he's definitely one of those, when I first took help, started helping with the prospects page, he was kind of the prospect that got my attention the most. You know, I don't didn't really know much about prospects and all the leagues, and he had a really good season in the WHL that year, and, you know, just it's, it's cool to see him doing well after – taking that page page over or helping with that page and see him in Iowa now. And he has a pretty badass nickname too uh, called the pit bull. So nice. I haven't heard that. That's a pretty sweet nickname. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So that'll wrap up our uh, amateurs of the week. Again, uh, Connor Duar, uh, Ryan O'Rourke and uh, Brandon Duheim are uh, the uh, amateurs of the week. So that'll bring us into our final segment. We are going to draft again this week. Um, kind of a fun one this week. We're going to draft the best logos actively in the NHL. So this includes primary logos, shoulder patches, and then we did also expand it to uh, reverse retros. So uh, trying to remember our order from last week with uh, with Skyler. I went last, and then... I feel like I was in the middle. Second. I think I was. I was. I think I was second, and Justin's third. Okay, yeah. so let's just bump up. Justin, you'll go first. I'll go second. Zeke goes third. That sound fair? Okay. Yep. Sounds good to me. So we don't stick Justin back in the middle again. All right. So Justin, you get uh, to kick us off here uh, with your uh, your favorite uh, active NHL logo. Favorite active NHL logo, I think, is going to be the black jerseys for the Coyotes with the Kachina. Yeah, that was on my list. Nice. A timeless a logo. It never yes. it never gets boring to look at. Well, it does not. <laughs> All right, so that brings uh, me up next. Um, I still have my 101 on the board. Um, and because it's, I can only use it because it's reverse retro, but still in my <laughs> mind, one of the greatest sports logos of all time. And that is the uh, the Whalers logo that the Carolina Hurricanes have on their uh, hearts and oh, yeah. alternates. Mm-hmm. I just Not think like one. the use of negative space to create an H, and then you have the W with the whale tail. It's just like it's so simple, but so perfect at the same time. It's yep. just one of my all time favorite logos. Plus, gray and green, 
and navy just work pretty well together as a as a color scheme too so agreed yeah, that was definitely high on my list too so that's a really good pick all right zeke we go to you uh you get two picks yeah so with my first one i'm going to take the just the regular uh, boston bruins primary logo with the spoke b and the you know and the, the black and the yellow i just think that's a obviously that's a really uh, original six one but i think it's just a classic that just looks really well you don't want the cracked work. bear uh the bear yeah, yeah that back. one's good too. that right. one's the good cocaine too. bear i don't know what they call it but <laughs> yeah i think it was cocaine bear, cocaine bear, bear. Yeah. yeah that yeah it, it does look a little crazy when you look at it but the, if you want to go no. talk about just look up the bruins um shoulder patch on their reverse retro mm-hmm. yeah oh, yeah it's good and i just think they're just logo in general they're, they're got a good color scheme so yeah that's what i'll go with class, right? and then for the second one <laughs> I guess uh, for the second one, I think I'm going to go with the Toronto Maple Leafs logo now. And I think, uh, you know, a couple, few years before this, they switched back to kind of this more old style kind of Leaf logo. But before that, it was kind of that, in my opinion, ugly looking like block thing that just was not, uh, I don't know if you guys can remember it too much, yeah. but I just, it I was, it, they, it's, I believe it's what they have on their retros right now too. Yeah, like I think it, I think it is. On their yeah. Retro. Mm-hmm. It, it is. And uh, I just think it uh, looks really nice and uh, also a little personal bias, but it's uh, the Maple Grove logo is basically the Leafs logo with mm. maroon and gold in it. So, but uh, yeah, no, uh-huh. I think it, think it looks really nice. Yeah. So Zico's two original sixes, um, not bad picks of the turn. It's going to come back to me. I'm going to go for the next pick. So going from kind of a classic logo to one of the newest uh, logos, and that is uh, the Seattle Kraken's alternate logo. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, with yeah. the with the anchor and then kind of like the S, or uh, or excuse me, like the anchor and the top that makes the space needle. Yeah. Um, again, I just like when they just find ways to creatively make simple logos that have a lot of imagery behind them. Um, yeah. When I saw that logo, I'm like, oh, they should have made this one the primary logo because this is sweet. Um, but um, all in all, like the uh, Kraken was my second oh, yeah. favorite name behind Sasquatch. Um, so I was really happy to see that when they picked it, they came up with some really, really sweet logos as well. So I'll go with the Seattle Kraken uh, Anchor Alternate logo. Uh, so, Justin, it goes to you now with uh, two picks. Uh, I'm going to kind of go with the classic one. It isn't the colors of the old classic team, but it's, uh, you know, they made it their own. The Colorado Avalanche is reverse retro, the Nordiques. I'm going to take that that logo. I just like, I know there's a lot of nostalgia with the Nordiques and stuff, but like, just not there for me. I don't know. I've never just, they've been just kind of meh to me. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't know. I, I kind of grew up seeing them a little bit before yeah. they moved to Colorado. So it was maybe, I don't know, maybe a little different. Like you said, nostalgic more than anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I do like the, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I just like it. Yeah. Oh, and I forgot to tell the listeners at the start, oh, we're going to go five logos each total. Um, so, uh, Justin, mm-hmm. you're still on the clock, or you get another one off? Oh, yeah, okay. Um, goodness, all right, let me look. I think I'm going to go with the – I think it's the reverse retro. You'll have to correct me if I'm wrong with the, the lunging panther for the Florida Panthers. Oh, yep. Yeah, I got to go with that logo. I just love that jersey. That was one of my favorite jerseys as a kid and still is, like, the logo. Yeah, no, that one's that one's really cool. I don't know why they ever went away from that logo personally. Like their new one's fine, no. but I definitely the Lunging Panther is a really underrated logo. Agree. 
and I think that you know, I think about that is there, I think it's overall more of a for me, they're newer ones. I think just I like the jersey more than you know the actual logo. So, but mm-hmm. yeah, that's, yeah, that's a good pick though for sure. All right, so number three. I like I got my top two. Hartford and Seattle were like my clear mm-hmm. one two, and now I have like yeah. a collection of like eight here that to pick from. <laughs> Justin took a chair, though, so I can't do that one. That was in there. <laughs> um, let's see. I'm gonna go with another shoulder patch. Um and this is a logo I think again I just love the use of negative space and just kind of like the, the triple threat and it's the uh, Washington Capitals shoulder patch it's the the eagle that makes the W and then like the negative space underneath the eagle um, makes the mm-hmm. shape of the US Capitol building um, I think it's a super underrated logo and I have no idea why they haven't put it as a primary crest yet but um, it's it's one of my favorite uh, one of my favorite logos so we'll go with that one next Thanks. All right, Zeke, uh, back to you with uh, two picks. Yeah, so I don't know, I'm trying to decide. Uh, I'm going to actually go with, uh, for my first pick, I'm going to go with the Seattle Kraken's main logo, which is, uh, you know, the S with the I in it, kind of in the red eye, kind of, you know, to be the, the serpent kind of creature. And just it's got the, you know, the kind of, it's not really teal, but it's kind of that lighter blue mm-hmm. outlined by, you know, the kind of the navyish. And I just, like like we talked about with Brett taking the uh, secondary logo, I just think the um, uh, I don't know. I, I personally just like the I think the uh, you know the main logo. I think a lot of people are kind of like you, Brett, where they thought it, you know it, it, that could have been a better shoulder patch. But uh, me personally, I just think it looks really good, and uh, I just you know I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do with their jerseys because I think with that uh, with the color combo, they can do something really nice. But yeah, no, that's have you not seen their my... jerseys yet? Well, I know I saw the thing, but I saw, I thought that was just like a. Well, is that just a template, or is that no? Actually... They, they they have official home and aways out. They came out oh, with the they do? release. They don't have an alternate oh. yet, but oh okay. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, well, you know, I think I might have seen that on the website back like in July, but I'll have to uh, go take a look yeah, at that. Look. And uh, yeah, so okay for my next pick, um, let's let's see real quick. Let's go. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go a little bit homerish here and go with just the regular wild logo. Uh, I think, you know, there's people in this market who, you know, either A are North Stars fans and, you know, still just really, you know, can never like anything over that, but, and, and just think it's kind of silly, but I just think it's really cool how they managed to, you know, fit all that into, you know, some people might say it's too much, but I just think uh, the main wild logo is just uh, really well done, really creative. And uh, it's, it's always, I mean, obviously I'm a wild fan, but I think it's uh, one of the better ones in the NHL. So I'll go with theirs. And you'd be surprised. Yeah. So I think, one of us was an Instagram account, and there was like just a post about people like just mm-hmm. ask, "Hey, what's your favorite NHL logo?" And there was a lot of people, like not Wild fans, that mm-hmm. brought up the Wild as one of their favorite logos. And yeah, like I've always thought it's a cool logo, but like I didn't think it was that highly thought of. And then I saw that post, and I'm like, "Huh, I'll be damned." Yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah, I think that actually makes sense because, like, like I said, I think a lot more of the criticism has been from in the market of the logo and stuff. So yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so I'm on the clock here with my fourth pick. I already know what my fifth pick is going to be uh, as long as Justin doesn't take it. So I'm going to save that one, <laughs> which he could. That would that'd be sucky for me. Um, debating between two. I have a feeling I know which one you want to go with, but I don't know for sure. 
right. Uh, I'm going to go, just because I love this jersey um, and I love the logo, I'm going to go with Blasty, um, the Calgary Flames um, horse that oh, was yeah. blowing flames out of I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I love, I love Blasty. He, he's sweet. So that's my fourth pick. So, there Justin, go. we go to you. Uh, back at the top with your final two picks. So I know you went with the shoulder patch for the Capitals. I'm going to go with the reverse retro logo okay. of the Screaming Eagle. I love that. Uh, just makes me th- think of the old days of Peter Bondra and uh, Ole Kolzig and all yeah. that. Uh, so Rookie yeah, that, Ovechkin, that I believe, be... even wore that jersey? I think so. I yeah, think when he, he scored he the goal, crazy, I believe yes. it was in that jersey. Yeah, he had that crazy goal. That... Yep. The goal. <laughs> All right, and your final pick. Oh yeah, I get two in a row, don't I? Yep. Yeah. Um. I may not like the team, especially this year, but I love the logo of the San Jose Sharks. I don't know what it has always been, but I've always loved mm-hmm. the logo and the colors together. It's a like good one. Teal. So I'm gonna go with the home teal uh, Sharks logo. Yep, it's a good one. Oh yeah. All right, and my uh, my final pick. It's a homer pick. I don't know if that people like it, but I love it. Um, it needs to be on. It needs to be the primary crest of the alternate jersey, and it's the Minnesota Wild M uh, logo. That's a good one. That's on the sh- oh, uh, yeah. shoulders of the current home jersey. I just wasn't think that, it. What's that? Wasn't that the? Uh, it was on the script jersey too, wasn't it? Right. Yeah, I think it's technically yeah, on the, on the script jersey. It was just that the M that started the the Minnesota. Okay. I just I, I like it. It's an M. It's got the red stars in it. It's really simple, but mm-hmm. I think it's it's kind of a good blend too. It kind of gives a little bit of an homage to the North Stars as well, you know, with the single letter and, and the stars and everything. But mm-hmm. I like it. I mm-hmm. think it's really simple. It gets the job done. Um, yeah, it's just I really like the logo, so I'm going that as my as my last pick. It's just kind of a a homer pick, if you will. Mm-hmm. All right, Zeke, uh, mm-hmm. your last one here. Okay, so for last one, I got a couple different options, but mm, let's see. I think I'm going to have to go with the, uh, you know, I can't remember the name from, but the logo, I think it's more kind of older style uh, that the Ottawa Senators went back to this season. Okay. Under uh, black and red jerseys. Uh, I can't remember what they exactly call them, but I just, uh, it's what they wore before, like I think pre like 2005 or something like that. Yeah, and that I just think uh, it's a, uh, it, I just think they look really nice and just uh, kind of I can't couldn't name it exactly I just I don't know how to, what to call them but I just think they uh, look just a you know a little more done up a little just neater and just look really good on their black jerseys so I'll go with that. Nice. All right. Uh, do you guys want to do some uh, honorable mentions? Maybe some ones that you thought about but just that didn't quite crack your top five. Uh-huh. Yeah. Sure. Hey, good. Honestly, I like that alternate blues logo i know it's just a, a, no, a music note but the colors of the alternate like that lighter blue is just mm-hmm. there's something about it i really yeah. like yeah and uh i don't know for me i think it's uh in buffalo i think they, they called it the goat head logo that they got on the side of their reverse retro i think yep, right? that was on my list yeah that was i know a lot of people there and around wanted them mm-hmm. to uh put that as the main logo but that's another kind of more classic one i think is is just really cool so if they would have put that logo on the reverse retro it would have been a top five Oof. retro yeah. it would have it would have been great other than that like circle with swords that they put that's on there so which boring. was a little weird that's just, it was it, weird that one just mm-hmm. screamed shoulder patch to me i don't know it did all right i had uh i had five other ones um that i debated between um one is the rangers lady liberty logo 
um, oh, yeah. because that one never fails. Um, the L.A. Kings reverse retro, just that kind of that '90s Gretzky era. Yes, yes. Um, L.A. Kings, just it's it's a classic one. Yes. Um, Absolutely. I had Vegas's primary. I think just the really again, I'm I'm a big fan of good use of negative space and the V and the night helmets. I think really creative. Um, then I had the Penguins logo, just a classic, and then I also had uh, the Calgary Flames white flaming sea that's on their red jerseys because yeah. i just think that thing looks clean as hell i agree so those are the other five i considered that didn't quite crack crack my list yeah i had the um which one did the king's logo on my my oh. list as well yeah i guess just one more quickly for me too is just uh you know i is just the islander it's just regular logo that you know it's pretty much stayed the same throughout yep. their existence uh i've always just been a fan of the just that and the you know the orange and blue and i, I think that's another really nice one too so all right. Well, that'll do it for the draft. Um, I'll try to remember to actually post a poll this time. Um, I may have to do the one from oh, the previous week too. We'll do a we'll do a poll thread because I forgot to put up um, expansion city because I just totally blanked on it. Um, so we'll get those polls up uh, probably afternoon tomorrow, um, so you can start voting. Gives people time to listen. Uh, but uh, guys, any parting thoughts here before we wrap up our perfectly timed show? Uh, no, I mean, we're getting down to the last part of the season, so just kind of enjoy the ride. And, and, you know, looks like we're getting fairly close to clinching a playoff spot, so just kind of enjoy what was supposed to be kind of a, a year year in transition. Yeah, I think kind of the same spot. I'm just, uh, you know, just really looking forward to the playoffs. So it's the best time of the year if you're a hockey fan. And, uh, you know, like we said earlier, just the fact that, you know, you don't expect them to win, but that there's, you know, just some excitement around the wild. Like Justin said, there's some new players. they got a great goaltender. It's just going to be a really fun. And, and I mean, I mean, like we've said a million times, we, we have Kuro Kaprizov on our team and I sit every day and I can't be more uh, grateful for that fact this year because it's just been so amazing. So yeah, no, that's, uh, that's just my, uh, I guess, final thoughts here today. And my final thoughts are free Nico Sturm, hashtag Sturm warning. Free my boy. Free my boy. Get him off fourth line. Get him 13 plus minutes. Top line. That's all I ask. 13 plus yeah. minutes tonight. That's all I ask. That's all. Uh, <laughs> all right, Justin, uh, where can we find you and your work? You can find me at DEast2004. You can find me at CapriceFC at the CapriceF Countdown. And you can find me at MNW Prospects with Wild Prospects and Young Players. And Zeke, what about you? Uh, you can find me, uh, as usual, on Twitter at uh, ZBWildNation underscore HW. And you can find all my work, written work, at HockeyRealist.com, which I will be uh, recapping the next two games on Friday and Saturday for them, for Hockey Wilderness. So uh, be sure to check that out. All right. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Marsh 92. Also be sure that you are following the podcast account, both on Twitter and Instagram, at Sound the Foghorn, all one word. Uh, a couple games coming up here Friday, Saturday for the Wild um, with the playoffs on uh, on their mind. Uh, some big games coming up. Um, keep cheering for the Avalanche as much as it may pain you to do so as we uh, as the more games they win, the better chance we have of getting Vegas uh, in the opening round in a series we could potentially win. So, But that will do it for this week's show. Uh, until next Thursday, this has been another episode of Sound the Foghorn.